0: Hello, it is 5:30 a.m. in New York, 12:30 p.m. in Johannesburg and 5:30 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com, and I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. Raising teens is like nailing jello. To a tree. This is the kind of thing that I read when I am looking for inspiration on raising teens. That doesn't help. Neither does the quote from beyondmamabear.com where she says raising teenagers is like showing up to a five alarm fire with a squirt gun. This mama of a preteen doesn't feel calm. (laughs) And when I think about all the things I'm hearing from my clients who have teens, I'm kind of bracing myself. So if you're currently raising teens, I think you know what I'm talking about. So I have pulled in support for us today to have an expert help us learn about raising our teens especially in these special circumstances it is my absolute pleasure to welcome dr anisha abraham she is a pediatrician she specializes in adolescent medicine and she's worked with teens around the world dr anisha welcome to expat happy hour thank you sunday So I had the pleasure of watching Anisha live at the Families and Global Transition Conference in Baycock myself. And this is a woman whose experience shines through um, when she's on stage. So let me just tell you a little bit more about her. Her career has included clinical care, teaching, public health, research, and media. And she's currently on the faculty of the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Amsterdam as a clinician. She treats young people with high risk health issues. And as a teen expert and educator, she conducts funded research, teaches global health, writes a monthly newsletter, and it has time somehow to be a TEDx speaker. I don't know how you do it. And we're down the street as she's also in the middle of writing a book, which we'll hear more about. So thank you, Anisha, for making time for us on the, uh, the expat happy hour today.
1: I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: I know I've missed probably some important credentials and work that you do. We will pro- we will discover more as we go. Um, I've brought you here today because I think raising teens, no matter where you are, if you just lit- were born and raised in the same town, you're raising your teens there is hard enough. And now, because of the audience at Expat Happy Hour, most people are raising teens who are third culture kids or have lived globally mobile lives. And then on top of that, we have the extra layer of being in these special circumstances with COVID-19. So help us understand what do we need to realize when it comes to raising teens in this context?
1: Well, Sunday, I'll just say there is so much going on, and I'll start by saying that adolescents to me as a physician is such an exciting time. There's so many wonderful things that are occurring in terms of the changes in their bodies and what's happening in their brains and how much they're learning about the world around them. But as you mentioned, um, being a third culture kid, and I myself am a third culture kid. I um, grew up in the United States, but my parents are from India and um, my husband is from Germany and I've lived in a few places um, to include Asia, but currently Europe with my kids. So I've had a lot of experiences myself, but it's difficult when you're going through adolescence and you're also experiencing multiple levels of culture. And um, on top of that, you throw in COVID, where you're then isolated um, from your friends, Um, you're not able to travel, you're not able to connect with the people that you usually do, Um, can certainly add to the complexity. So, so much of what I'm spending my time now doing is really trying to help um, parents and young people to really figure out how can they make this a positive time? How can we navigate this challenge together? How can we learn from this experience?
0: Okay, so I'm going to be really honest. Yes. As a parent, I am on board completely. But all I've heard and what I see even, you know, with my preteen, there's not the same sort of enthusiasm from the teen side. So how do you get your teens on board to make this a positive experience when they feel like it's the worst thing that ever happened to them?
1: Well, I think the short answer is that you really need to first validate what their feelings are. And it is a very difficult time um, for many young people. Um, Certainly what I've heard um, from teenagers is that they're really frustrated that um, their exams have been canceled. uh, Graduation um, perhaps um, has been canceled or kind of changed. Um, They are not able to go for performances or sporting events. Um, And again, they're not able to see their friends in the same way. Um, it's, it's really challenging for them. And so I think first um, and foremost, it's important for parents to just validate those feelings um, that young people are going through um, grief as you might go through grief and loss um, in, in other ways. And knowing that there's, there are going to be stages in terms of feeling very acutely that over time, um, slowly coming to terms with some of the things that are going on, I, I think, are one part of that. Um, I I think that um, there's a lot that we can do and hopefully we can keep talking about how to create some type of a framework um, in terms of how to support our kids. But I think, again, the very, very first step is being able just to connect with our kids, our teenagers at home and just um, validate the fact that this is a really challenging time for them.
0: So let's get really concrete here. Validating language. Like what how do we because anything I try to say, it's cringy. (laughs) Right. 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 Cringy. Mom, it's cringy. Right. I didn't even know a cringy was a thing. (laughs) So how do we, what's a non-cringy way to validate our teens?
1: You know, I, I, A lot of kids are going to say things like, this is so unfair. I can't believe this is happening to me. My life is horrible. And I think um, coming back and saying, you're right, this is not what we expected. This is not what you thought was going to happen in your senior year or, or your last year of university. We completely agree. This is really tough. And not only is it tough for you, but it's also tough for adults. We're all kind of experiencing this. And I think that's the other piece of it. Not only um, are you experiencing it? But a lot of your peers and friends around the world are also experiencing this. And so um, how do we get through this together? Um, what can we do to make sure we can take some control back and, and really make this something that um, we can do better together?
0: One of the things- I love that you said that. You said, <laughs> yes. you're right, you're right. And then we agree. Those are two very yes. simple ways to validate.
1: Absolutely. So coming back to that, um, and hopefully that just gives one sense of how we need to you know, really validate um, those feelings, but you can also ask open-ended questions like, how does this make you feel? What are you feeling right now? You know, how are you experiencing this? And what can we do to kind of um, help with that and, and allow you to feel like um, you have a little bit more control about what's going on?
0: Mm -hmm. How does it make you feel? This is where I struggle a little bit because I work with adults. and Because I'm a coach, you know, asking questions is a way that I access. I help people access information for themselves. It helps me build. And sometimes I struggle because um, that doesn't work with younger kids. Like I said, with my preteen right before. Right before this interview, we were having lunch together and I asked my preteen, I'm like, Hey, I am interviewing, you know, a world renowned expert on teens or TCKs. I could ask her anything. What would you like to know about this experience you're going to have? And he goes, I don't want to ask anything. I just (laughs) want to experience it. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, that is not a question you ask a preteen. Like I have to access this a different way.
1: Right, right. And, and sometimes our preteens in particular, but certainly teenagers, don't know how to express it um, and how to put words to what they're actually experiencing. But they can still feel that profound sense of loss. Um, and sometimes you'll find them crying, they're frustrated, they're angry, you know, they're lashing out, they're slamming doors, all of these other kind of non-verbal behaviors that happen when, again, you know, that can happen in normal puberty um, and, of course, are accentuated right now. Um, right. So I, I think being aware of that, you know, checking in, one of the things that I always tell parents that's really useful is that they don't want to talk about themselves, ask them what their friends are experiencing, because so mm. much of what their friends are experiencing is what they're experiencing. So, you know, how is, you know, your, your closest friend dealing with all of this? And how is she feeling? Because um, chances are a lot of that's very much the same.
0: I love that. That's like a sneaky way. (laughs) But it works. It
1: really does. And then if you want to talk in about more difficult things, so they always tell parents, this is a great time to get in those more difficult conversations that we don't want to put time into, like talking about vaping or talking about the fact that they may be online and perhaps seeing pornography. Also ask them what their friends are doing.
0: Yep. That is so good. I remember in an interview I did with Dr. Laura Anderson yep. about the use of technology, she yes. talked about, ask your friends. Yep. And it's such a, because it, it's such a scary thing for both the adult and for the child to feel that vulnerable. That's a great way to do it. So ask what their friends are experiencing. That's wonderful. Yes. Um. Perfect. So that's a very concrete way to validate. It's a concrete way to learn more. What else should we be doing? You talked about a framework.
1: Yes. One of the things I've been talking about um, is how do we support our kids? And I created a little mnemonic. Um, It's kind of simple. Um, It's like the old Aretha Franklin song, you know, I want a little respect and it actually is respect. So it stands for um, R is for routines. E is for expectations. The S and respect is for strengths. Um, The P is for positive behaviors. The E is for engagement. Um, the C in respect is for cheers or praise, and the T is technology. So I'll just walk you through it for a second, but it's just some of the ways that I've been helping parents to think about how to support young people in general, but certainly um, at this time where there's just so many more complexities. So one thing that really helps um, young people, and of course all of us as adults, is having a routine and sticking to that routine. It creates structure. Um, And right now that may include, because teenagers don't always want um, everything kind of written down and um, kind of detailed to the last minute, But it does include some ideas of when they should be perhaps going to sleep and having some non-digital time to go out and exercise because otherwise they end up sometimes on their computers all day long. Um, So Mm -hmm. making sure that families have routines and can stick to those routines, knowing when meal times are going to occur, um, is one piece of of creating some stability because kids crave that stability and that structure.
0: But I have a hunch they're going to rebel
1: against it, even though they really crave it. Well, you know, that's part of what we as parents need to do is to create some boundaries and kind of allow them to work within that. So I'm not telling you that you need to, um, you know, you need to schedule every last moment of their day teens don't like that and they need some autonomy in terms of how they work. But I do think that having some sense of, you know, we're going to get up at around this time, we're going to have meals around these times. We do still expect that, you know, bedtimes at this time and that we are unplugging for some period of time as well um, would Mm be one of the recommendations. Um, In addition to maybe just helping them to kind of break down larger tasks that they have into smaller tasks and checking in with them from time to time just to help them with some of that organization so that would be one thought in terms of how do we support kids the other one i would mention is expectations and the question i get asked a lot by parents is um, you know how much do we push right now in terms of homework Mm -hmm. or work Um, it's just really tough it's really hard to do and some kids love the online learning experience um, others really can't handle it all we really have a tough time with it. And my short answer back is this is really a time for us to decrease our expectations. And I know that sounds a little counterintuitive, but um, we need to decrease our expectations in terms of what our kids um, may be doing right now academically, but also decrease our expectations as adults on how much we're going to get done and how productive we're going to be. So we don't need our... <laughs>
0: You're blowing <laughs> me away right now. So, say yeah. you're being a real life example in a family.
1: Well, I, you know, I think we want to make sure we have perfect meals and our house is, you know, spick and span. And on top of that, our kids are doing everything and practicing their piano and doing all of the chores. And I have to just say, that's really, and on top of that, we're getting all of our work done at the same level that we used to do. And the short answer um. is, it's just not going to happen. And we need to really minimize our expectations. But focus on the well-being of ourselves, but also of our of our teens. Because at the end uh, of this time, they're going to really think about how they felt, not so much mm-hmm. about how they did in, in each of their classes.
0: So, okay. So what I'm hearing you say is <laughs> yeah. actually counterintuitively, we've Elevated our expectations of ourselves when really we need to it's always like when I talk to my clients where they're they're mad at themselves because they didn't you know get as much done or the right. momentum wasn't as fast I'm right. like whoa whoa whoa, you're like talking about you know October two thousand and nineteen conditions <laughs> right. not now, right, right. so right. what you're saying is give yourself a break, and then what I'm hearing from you is get clear on what is important and it's how you feel it's your well being and it's around getting those basic routines met with sleep and meals and exercise and non-digital time.
1: Right. Go back to the basics. And again, just really check in in terms of how they're feeling and feeling and understanding what it is that they do like to do, which I think goes to my next point, which has to do with strengths. And so much of what I talk about as a pediatrician is what is it that your, your teenager does well in and how can we continue to build on those things in terms of um, building resilience, which is so important in this time? And every teenager has something that they really are passionate or excited about or they, they do well in, whether it's the arts or technology or music. And this is a wonderful time to go back to those things because they may be really upset about everything else that's happening and say, how can we kind of go back to those things that you know make you excited and, and spend some time exploring that? I have one child okay. that go so I was gonna say I have one child that loves technology so he's now creating his own YouTube channel and um, putting all kinds of neat videos of do-it-yourself things that he's um, made and it's a great way for him to explore um, his strengths and creativity
0: okay that's good so if someone loves soccer then you know make sure that they're getting that time in the backyard to practice certain things or if he's is on tech that it's looking at soccer drills whatever it is that they love doing, support that that happens more is what I'm hearing from.
1: Absolutely. This is the time, if anything else, to go back to those things that really make them excited and allow them to explore those things as much as they can.
0: Okay. That's good. Wonderful. I got to ask how this all comes (laughs) together in the end, but let's keep going. We've got (laughs) R, S, and P. I want the P-E-C-T. What's next? (laughs) Well, the P is for
1: um, positive behaviors, and that's just the fact that this is a wonderful time for us to model um, how we handle challenges and stress because our kids are looking at us as to how do we handle these things in terms of what they're going to do. So this is a time to go back to things like eating well uh, for immunity, making sure that we're staying connected with loved ones, whether it's those Zoom family calls or you know reaching out to neighbors. Um, this is a time where you know hopefully you're incorporating a little bit of mindfulness or yoga or breathing or exercise into your life um, so that you yourself are doing it as an adult, but your kids are also starting to build that in and figure out how to handle stress um, and figure out how to, you know, be caring and and um, kind of uh, give back to the community around them. So that would be, I think, um, the peak for positive behaviors.
0: That's great. That's great. I'm feeling pretty proud of myself for that one right now. <laughs> what are
1: you, do- what are you doing in your home on that one? We're
0: going, um, we go, we, so we make a break between our work day and our like worker school day. And then the family time we at five o'clock sharp, we leave the house and I go for a run. I drop them off at the playground or the soccer field, yeah. make a few loops. Then we might shoot some baskets, you know, before we go back. So we, we make an hour for physical activity and time to connect on the walk, fresh air um, and meals, my husband's an amazing cook, so healthy meals are non-negotiable, um, even though we've had to make them a little bit more simple than normal. So I think we're doing pretty well on that.
1: sounds like you're doing an amazing job. And, and I think, you know, not everyone's going to do it at the same level, but I think everyone's trying to build in a little piece of that. And our kids are looking at us as to what mm-hmm. we're doing in terms of how they're handling things as well. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yay, celebrating that. Way to go.
0: Thank you. (laughs) All right, what's the E for?
1: E is for engagement. And um, there's so much that I think we can do in terms of continuing to engage our teens and our kids in terms of community health. And I know this is a very interesting time as some of the schools are starting to open again. Um, They are starting to um, decrease some of the restrictions in terms of social distancing here in the Netherlands, primary schools have just opened and um, uh, kids under the age of 12, for example, are allowed to go back um, to sporting activities. And so there's going to be a sense that we're kind of going back in some ways to normalcy. But I think the the um, short answer is we, we don't really have all the answers yet. And it's still an important time for all of us to be. Being very vigilant in terms of hand washing, um, making sure that we're still being mindful of people that are older or vulnerable, knowing that teens can still very much get uh, COVID. Um, the kids can also be asymptomatic and to give it to other people. So, this is not a time to completely let down our guard. Um, this is still a time that I think we have to be engaging and thinking about community health.
0: Mm-hmm. So, community health is important here. Um, and in non-COVID times, how does the engage, how do we connect to engage?
1: Well, I think it's continuing to empower kids in terms of um, how they can stay healthy um, and, of course, keep people around them healthy. So that, mm-hmm. I think, goes back to you know, other other conversations in terms of um you know, smoking or drinking or any of those other behaviors that teens are doing. And as I mentioned, this is such a great time and sit down and and to have conversations about it. And I talk a lot about using teachable moments. You're watching a Netflix movie with your, you know, preteen or teen and you see something, it's a great time to bring it up in conversation and, and start talking about just a little bit more.
0: This is what I love about this time. Um, is I, I know I can't say that out loud with people not getting mad at me, <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist, right? And I, I like to see both sides, the, the hard parts and the positive parts. So right. um, I think one of the positive parts is because this is different, we have permission to do things differently. Yes. That having these, these powerful conversations or these new conversations, we get away with it better as parents yes. now because it's already different. Yes. So So it's a great time to practice, (laughs) right?
1: Seize it. I think some parents are terrified of having these conversations, Mm -hmm. or they don't know how to start. Um, But now you really have those moments where you can really, um, you you know, you have those connections and you can really build on them. So these are great times to start having those those conversations. And it doesn't just have to be about health. It can also be about things like identity and belonging, which are so crucial when we talk about um, cross-cultural or third-culture kids. Um, But there's so many beautiful conversations that we can start on and build on. It's It's really just about planting seeds and starting these conversations, continuing to keep building um, on those yeah. conversations.
0: Very good. The next one is probably one of my favorites. She says, <laughs> I'm a fan of celebrating people's yes. successes, right? Yes. So you, cheers is your next one. Say more. Yes. Well, it's, it's really about cheers and
1: praise. And I think, um, and as a parent of uh, two uh, kids myself, uh, one preteen and one teen, I can say sometimes we're really quick to say what they're doing wrong. Um, you know, you didn't put the dishes away, you didn't uh, pick up your dirty laundry, and we forget to actually uphold them when they're doing something right. And so mm-hmm. it's really about how do we continue to remember um, when they did do something, you know, you wrote that little poem, or you did that wonderful thing for Mother's Day, or, you know, thank you so much for helping your brother out this morning. Um, so getting them the cheers and praise and reminding them, and it's not just for um, the kids. By the way, it's for our spouses and the other people around us in our lives, but praising them when they do something right. Mm-hmm.
0: I do that all the time, and my son's like, Mom, you're so cringy. Mom, you're so positive. And I'm like, I don't care. That's my job. <laughs> this is
1: this is good cringy. This is good cringy. They they right? still I love really you. love it.
0: <laughs> exactly. I'm like, you're gonna have to deal with it. Oh, uh, and then what's
1: the last one? T. T for technology. And so one of the big questions I get asked a lot by parents right now is how much screen time is too much time? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think this comes up. Um, and we do know that our um, teens are on um, screens quite a bit, probably more so than we were as kids ourselves. But particularly since there's online school, there's just seems to be this kind of endless opportunity to be connected. And mm-hmm. I, I think the answer, and I, and I say this is also coming out of Asia, where they've been doing this for a bit longer than we have, is that technology right now is so helpful. And staying connected and using devices has been really helpful for teenagers in terms of um, not feeling anxious or isolated and being able to talk to their friends. So when mm-hmm. it comes to uh, encouraging kids to stay connected and, and talk to their peer group, this is a really important time for them to use technology. Um, so all those Google chats and uh, you know WhatsApp calls are really important they would also say even, you know, doing video games, um, if they're connecting with friends, this is a time to probably decrease, you know, our, our rules in terms of how much time. And at the end of the day, it's not about how much screen time our kids are using. It's much more about what I call the three C's, which is C for uh, the content, you know, what they actually are doing, Um, Mm -hmm. the C for context. So how are they engaging in this? And finally, the last C is about your child. Um, Is your child someone that can easily disengage? um, And um, if you tell them that they have an hour and a half to be on something, will they be able to come off of it? Or is it a child that's always had a hard time getting off, in which case they need more firm rules in terms of when they need to stop and that needs to be something that's built in?
0: Mm -hmm. I love that because that's another thing that I've learned through, you know, interviewing other experts that the quality of what they're doing online really matters. Um, It's not just minute for minute. It is the quality. So what I'm hearing you say is if you, if you have boundaries around screen time with your teens, um, make sure that the time for them to connect with their friends is there because it's high quality screen time.
1: Absolutely. So yes, um, I I think in general, we should decrease um, our uh, kind of rules in terms of how much time they're on it. But again, reflecting back on you know, what is that content and that quality. Um, I do right. also think that um, teens need to still charge their devices out of their bedrooms and there still needs to be rules in terms of um, having some non-digital time and that they're looking to us, so we as parents need to do the same. And if we feel that we're getting anxious, I sometimes get anxious watching, you know, the TV um, when it comes to coverage of COVID or you know reading too much about it. So if we feel anxious, we also need to realize that we need to kind of unplug and step back a bit.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. So you know, before this call, you and I talked about um, the opportunity for families to have family meetings. Yes. And I know this is important, you read it in all the parent literature, yep. right? And yet there are so many families that don't do it. What do you think, what's stopping people from doing it? And what what is a way that you could have a family meeting without it being a family meeting? Do you know what I mean? Like how can you achieve the same thing without saying, okay kids, now it's time for a family meeting.
1: Right. Uh, I think family meetings are important because it's an important time to reflect on what has gone well uh, in that last week or in the last several weeks and what perhaps are challenges and things that they need to work on. And I can just say, even in our own family, um, the first couple of weeks of online schooling were really tough. Um, we had one child that loved it, the other one that couldn't stand it. You know, there was lots of drama um, in terms of you know how do we negotiate space and um uh, you know, com- uh, online computer time and how do we do chores. And so we actually started having Sunday family meetings where um, we gave everyone a clear time as to when we would have the meeting. Um, we um, made sure that everyone knew that it was not going to be longer than a half an hour and that each person, when they were talking, had our un- undivided attention. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being a very kind of successful way for us to bring up otherwise Tough uh, issues that come up during the week, but also celebrate the wonderful things that are happening and the things that we want to see more. Um, and for, for some families, you know, this is not an easy time. There can be a lot of conflict that there, there could have been pre existing conflicts that are just accentuated by people coming together. It isn't perhaps as harmonious um, as others have experienced. Um, and Rosalind Wiseman, who is an author and does a lot of wonderful work uh, on parenting, has a wonderful New York Times article. Um, that outlined some great tips um, for perhaps some of your listeners um, if you are having um, a tough time with your family and how to have a successful family meeting.
0: I would love that. And yes. um, I'll have to get that link from you yes. and then we'll put it in for a show notes so people can reference that. I appreciate that. Um, so we do, I guess we do this um, kind of a Trojan horse effect is when we do at dinner, we'll sit together and we'll say, Hey, what was your, you know, your high highlights and lowlights? Like right. what what was your highlight of the day? What was a low light? And we try to check in and we do try not consistently, but we do try it on, once a week to say, did this go well this week? And what didn't go well? Because we're also, we're not in South Africa. We got displaced to, to Switzerland for the time being. So we're in a temporary situation and we've got family near. So we're also checking in with the family that's near us to say, are we, are we okay? Like we're getting on your nerves or what needs to change this week, <laughs> right, right? Because right. what worked in week one might not work in week four. Right. Right. So that's important. So I guess what I'm, what I'm taking from that is I love this idea of limiting it to 30 minutes or less. I love the undivided attention aspect. So each person has a chance to speak, um, and then some dedicated time for it, whether that happens, you know, in a meeting format or in a meal format or whatever works for your family. I think that's fantastic for people to try try that out. Um, So these are some of the things that are hard. We've got some strategies, some ways to think about it. Um, But at the same time, this is also an opportunity to do things really different. So yeah, say more about this opportunity, how this is actually a really unique chance for families to change dynamics.
1: One of the questions that I've received is how do we transition back And how do we hold on to the things that we um, have perhaps gained from this experience as we start to go back into, you know, activities and school and pickup and all of the things that you know were really busy and stressful in our lives before? And I like to refer to a wonderful um, article by another author, Anandathi Roy, who is Indian and um, is the author of this beautiful book called Goddess of Small Things. And she recently wrote in the Financial Times a piece on the pandemic as being a portal for the future. And in essence, what she was talking about is how do we use this time that has been really tough and very difficult to perhaps create a gateway for a better tomorrow? Now, she was talking about uh, politics and and India, but I think we can use that same concept and think, how do we use this time? You know, things have been locked down, shut down. We've all kind of had to really slow down our ways of thinking and being. And use that to perhaps transform ourselves um, into better people, our families into perhaps, you know, better, more efficient, uh, um, you know, units. And how do we even um, improve the community around us? You know, there's less global warming or, you know, decreased pollution, all these other things that have been wonderful byproducts. So How do we do that? And um, a few thoughts along those lines. Um, one, of course, is coming back. Um, to family meetings, because it's a great way to really figure out what does work and how you want to keep that going. Um, Another thing that I think is really fabulous that, of course, I'm sure you as a coach are also doing is go back to journaling and the idea of writing down our feelings right now and how we're kind of experiencing this and also encouraging our teens and our kids to do the same. Um, Certainly uh, thinking about what are the new rituals that we have and how do we create new milestones, um, I think would be another piece of that. And for a lot of um, teens in particular, this is a time where they, again, are feeling really frustrated and perhaps very vulnerable and feel like they don't have a lot of control. Um, and so I encourage um, families to think about creating um, some goal-setting opportunities, uh, uh, really thinking about what it is that they um, can use from this to perhaps goal-set in terms of uh, how they want things to be a little bit differently and how, um, again, they can help their teens or you know, their spouses to be accountable yeah. when it comes to that goal-setting.
0: So, how do we do that? like what what's the language that we can use specifically? You gave us great language before yes. about um, you know how you're right and we agree, those sort of things. how What kind of language can you give us to when we sit down in front of our team and the objective is goal setting?
1: Right. I think that um, one of the perhaps best ways to do that is just, you know, what are some of the things that you want to see differently um, kind of going forward? What are some of the things that you feel that, um, you know, your goals are for the next three months or six months? Um, And how can we help you to make sure that that happens? Um, Mm -hmm. And you can even break that down further. You know, is there something that you want to see specifically when it comes to academics or those strengths and those things that you're kind of building on that are creative? Um, Are there other things that you want to see differently when it comes to your family or your community? And if there is, you know, how can we now start to make some short goals, you know, for the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, and even kind of longer out? And it's amazing how many, and I'm sure you know examples as well, how many beautiful things teens have done right now in terms of um, perhaps doing peer tutoring um, for, you know, younger kids um, or creating, um, you know, videos for other kids to think about how to Um, handle challenges, um, or, you know, creating other forums right now and using this time in a very positive way.
0: I love that you broke it down to a time frame that they yes. could wrap their heads around, right? Because yes. we we don't know how long things will go, right? And I don't. I think this works anytime, right? Because I think time is so relative. When you're a teen, you think you're going to live forever. You're invisible, right. right? Yes. So really narrowing it down to like the next three months or this month, next month that they can can put something out there. Um, And I liked how you got even more specific where it it started out general. And then you got even more specific around that strength that, you know, they have something family related or community related. So I think that helps them dig inside of themselves um, to get to those answers. Like I was saying before at lunch, the question that I asked my son was just way too big. And he had nothing for me. You know what I mean? But if (laughs) I, if I had broken that down, that could be different. The other thing that came to mind, this is my guess, is that um, it is even more powerful when you watch another teen do something. So if you can find examples on YouTube of other teens and say, oh my God, look what I found this guy doing. How cool is that? what could you do that would be inspiring for others? Or, you know what I mean? Like somehow start a conversation based on what other teens are doing.
1: Absolutely. I think you have to be careful not to let make that backfire because <laughs> they're like, oh, that's great. All these kids are doing all of these things. Um, but, I, I, but I do think that there's always a, a nice way to present that and say, look, you know, someone's doing X or you're really interested in this and look what somebody else is doing. And, you know, how can we support you if you have this idea of, of making sure this goes just a little bit further?
0: Mm-hmm, right. Oh, I'm still a little <laughs> bit nervous. I haven't teens. I gotta be honest. Um, all right. So I know that our time is limited. Um, you, you just have so much that you could be talking about because you understand the biology that's going on, what's happening hormonally. You understand from an identity perspective, then of course, you know, on the third culture kid layer, it, is there something that's important? that we should be thinking about that we haven't yet touched on today?
1: Well, I think that the premise of my book, which is called Raising Global Teens, Parenting in the 21st Century, is very much about the fact that um, we are in a, a, an interconnected, globalized world. Um, although travel is not happening in the ways that it used to, it certainly will come back to you know travel in the future. Um, but we do um, know that more and more young people are either Um, people that have been raised in one country and then moved to another have moved within the same country from place to place have parents um, like myself that came from another country and were immigrants or also have parents like my husband and I um, that are from different backgrounds um, and are now trying to raise our kids in a kind of cross-cultural multicultural way and um With that, um, I will just say that adolescence is this beautiful, beautiful time where they're learning and changing and developing, um, but it's a time where identity is really being formed. Um, One's uh, understanding of how they are physically, but also how they are um, in terms of their gender identity. So they're exploring their identity in so many ways. And when on top of that, you throw in culture, it can become really confusing. Um, and, um, it's so important to ensure that kids have a clear sense of their cultural identity and belonging, um, particularly when they're exposed to so many different, uh, uh, levels of culture.
0: Right. And that begins, that begins at home.
1: It's really important for parents to be aware of this. Um, sometimes we are, and sometimes we aren't. Uh, I was raised, um, again, as an Indian American and I grew up in a small uh, state in the U.S., and when I grew up, I was um, the only Indian American in my high school, and I didn't see many other people like me. And it wasn't until much later in university that I could, again, meet other folks that were just like me. So that sense of what we talk about in terms of mirrors and knowing other people that look just like us and having those kind of anchors or that sense of stability can be really tough um, for kids that have these cross-cultural experiences. And the, the flip side, of course, is that there's wonderful things that come out of it, whether it's you know, tolerance or language or adaptability. Um, But I think it really comes down to making sure that we have conversations about how young people are feeling when it comes to who is your tribe, where is your roots, how do you feel about these experiences, and do you feel secure in those experiences, because when they don't, and then they're going through all the teen stuff, it can be really confusing.
0: Right. That's great. So we can't wait till your book comes out. Do you have an idea when it will go live? It will be coming out this fall and
1: um, I will be sure to let all of your listeners know more, but it'll be available on um, Amazon and certainly in a number of bookstores around the world.
0: Okay. So be on the lookout for Raising Global Teens Parenting in the 21st Century. You can also find Dr. Anisha at DrAnishaAbraham.com. Yes. Um, any other places that people can find you beside your website that we should know about? I'm also
1: on Instagram at Dr. Anisha and I'm on LinkedIn as well.
0: Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today. It's such a pleasure. I think I just want to say one of the things I've caught myself Doing during our interview is I've caught myself having a mindset that raising teens is a formidable experience. And I don't mean it like French formidable. I mean it like a (laughs) fearful experience. Um, And you have at least twice used the words that it's a beautiful time. So what I'm taking away from our time together is that to dig in with that curiosity and to 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 learn more about exactly what is going on in the mind, the body, the hormones, the synapses, you know, the identity stuff, um, to to see that beauty instead of just um, the fearful side of raising teens. So, thank you so much for that mindset shift.
1: Absolutely, um, I'm just thinking of a quote um, that Chris O'Shaughnessy. Um, who's another author, um, said, and he just said that cross-cultural kids are a beacon of hope um, in a world of desperate need of it. And um, I would just say this also relates to teenagers. And there's just so much that they're doing that um, I know um, is opening my eyes um, to what's out there and what's wonderful and beautiful. And they're creating so many new ways of thinking. And um, I I really hope that people realize that adolescence is a very positive and exciting period of transformation.
0: I love it. Thank you so much. I've got chills at my arms now (laughs) from Dr. Anisha. (laughs) Thank you. So you've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Schneider Bean. Thank you for listening. I will leave you with an anonymous quote that goes on the little bit more positive side than how we started. If parenthood came with a GPS, it would mostly just say recalculating.